Greetings. You're listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast, and this is episode 85. Greetings, everyone. I hope you are getting through this lockdown because it's unlike anything we've ever experienced before. And as we move into the third week of lockdown, there's been much in the news about the kind of environment that will await us when the government finally decides it has control of the pandemic. This week, I've been worried about talk from the government about how the land will lie after the pandemic. The talk has been ramping up plans for everyone to pay for the cost of the pandemic. And this kind of got me thinking about how this will impact us and our children. Now, what we know is that prior to the pandemic, the environment that our children had to navigate was hostile and unequal, especially when they stepped out of their immediate family, friendship and community circles. So much of the focus, therefore, has been on keeping our children circulating in those everyone is lovely and wonderful circles of influence. And that's what's pushed in the environments where our children spend most of their time. And so for our children, their life experiences have become very different to ours. In our day, those with influence and power didn't really care how we felt, whether we were in or outside our circles of influence. Films like Babylon and Burning an Illusion testify to the reality of the lives we led, where there was open hostility to our very existence. And much of that hasn't changed for us. It's just that our children saw things differently. And what happened as a result of the existence we lived is that we developed a form of self and race consciousness in response to the treatment which we wore like armour whenever we had to leave our homes and go out into the streets. And it's that consciousness which has carried us through until today. But that doesn't mean that it's a consciousness that has been accepted by the ruling powers that be. In fact, far from being accepted, our race consciousness has been used against us. And many African descent people have been punished socially and in their jobs especially for speaking out about race and race inequality. So for me, there was always going to be a response to this from the ruling classes, who I believe would be determined to ensure that our children didn't take on this form of, in air quotes, radicalisation. Radicalisation becoming the new name for anyone or anything that did not speak the language of know your place and be seen and not heard. So for our children, 
although they experienced the same failing education system that we did, much more effort was made to ensure their whole experience of the social aspects of education is one that socialises them into seeing their immediate environments and social circles of influence as places where race is not something they should concern themselves with. Because they have friends of all races where everybody just sees people as people. And they also have friends who will speak out for everyone to be treated the same. Our children are socialised into believing their whole lives and all their needs can be met in these circles of influence. And so for them, the world is a good place. And all we, their parents, do is talk about race and what the white man has done. And we need to get over ourselves because things have moved on. And when you're hearing this from 18-year-olds who haven't really had their resolve and their ideologies tested in the real world of work, sometimes that message can just make you feel like, where have I gone wrong? Now in the world, or really in the small circles of influence our children moved around in, all of this that I've just spoken about remained a wonderful place for them. That was until George Floyd was murdered. And then our children saw the response of adults in society and some people in their social circles of influence who for our children and to their shock and horror didn't see anything wrong with what had happened to George. Things went further when the hurt was compounded by these same people saying that George would have been alive if he'd just complied with instructions given to him. Now, of course, our children are extremely tech-savvy. By the time these words were being spoken, they and their friends had already seen the full videos and had already been discussing this online. And in response to the position of the ruling classes and their people, our children and their people exploded onto the streets in a public outpouring of Black Lives Matter protests. And all of this has been happening against the backdrop of a COVID-19 pandemic. Now, in some regard, the protests have fizzled out and this is what government always expects to happen. But this isn't because our children no longer feel aggrieved, but rather because the policies, policing and fines associated with public gatherings as well as the fear-mongering and blame that has been attached to young people for spreading the virus has made it difficult for young people to maintain the same level of public presence. And this in turn has forced morale and actions to be diverted to just getting through daily life. And this has been a tough ask for young people. Research shows that mental health of young people, let's say people up to the age of 29, is at an extremely worrying level of concern. Add to this the concerns about the job market that will await us after the pandemic subsides. And it's my belief that access to this new normal future does not look bright and certainly doesn't look equal for our young people. And this is why the topic of this podcast is 
are you talking about post-pandemic best life plans with your children and with your young adults? Are you doing that? Because these are conversations we need to have. In June 2020, the Guardian wrote about research produced by the NHS, which showed that black young people's mental health was much more affected by the impact of the pandemic than their white peers. And also the BBC published a piece on the impact of post-furlough unemployment, which showed that 9% of white people were unemployed post-furlough compared to 22% of BME workers. And the research pointed out that black young people are going to bear the brunt of most of these unemployed experiences. Okay, so we know what we know. How does this fit in with this week's podcast episode? Well, in my view, it's simply not enough to just tell our children and young people that everything will be okay or that everything will all come out good in the end. It's my view that we need to support our children and young people to prepare for the worst that could happen after things subside. Because if we wait for things to subside, by then it may be too late or too difficult to do anything other than just go along with what is being planned for them by the ruling powers that be. Instead, I believe we should be speaking to our children and young people about developing a plan B. That is something else that they can be doing that gives them a chance of creating their own job and making their own money. What we know about our children is that they know much more about how things like YouTube, social media and computers work and that gives them a head start. Our children and young people have passions and interests in so many things. If we could encourage them to start small side hustles from their interests and passions, they could then use social media and YouTube to connect with so many people who would be interested in their thing. Don't believe me? Take a look at Cairo's Creams. Cairo Barrett is an 11-year-old boy that runs his own successful side hustle called Cairo's Creams. Cairo runs his side hustle from home where he learned from his mum and now makes and sells his own natural creams made from whipped shea butter. Cairo sells his creams from home, from Instagram, and he has his own online store. And at the weekends, when lots of young people are playing computer games and playing on tablets and phones, Cairo can be found in local markets and black markets selling his creams and giving people consultations about the best smelling creams that they might like. Kyra has plans to grow his side hustle into an international business and has already become an ambassador in his business area. This young man is such an inspiration and he's just 11 years old. Do you think that if the ruling powers that be and their friends and the local businesses decide that they're not going to create a job for Cairo in the future, that Cairo will be stumped by this. 
My guess? The answer is no, because Cairo has had an experience of creating opportunities for himself. And if the opportunities close up for him, my guess is that Cairo will use the experience that he's gained from his child business and he will go on to create opportunities to make his own money. Now, I'll put a link in the show notes to Cairo's Instagram site where you can find out more information about this ordinary but amazing young black boy who could be any one of our sons. Want more? There's Romeo Bremer, who at just 12 years of age has written and published six books. You'll often find Romeo reading his favourite book called Hey Black Boy, which he reads online. And it's a book he wrote to showcase 12 of his favourite role models. If you go to a website called Blackjack Media, the website showcases a host of talented young black authors who, to me, look no older than 13 years of age and below, and who between them have written books for children ranging from the ages of three to older teenagers. There are babies writing books for babies. I can't think of anything more empowering. And if you're writing books at these young ages, what a great foundation for what you could be doing in the future if these Western societies decide not to create opportunities for you. Can you imagine the inspiration in your child if your child is doing this before and after school and at the weekends? And then there's Carrie's Rogers, who at 11 years old in 2017 became the youngest fashion designer ever to showcase her work on the catwalk. Kerry started designing clothes after being bullied because of her dark skin tone. First, she started creating t-shirts with positive messages on them. And then she started to put fashion collections together. Today, Kerry's has developed her side hustle into her own brand called Flexing in My Complexion. Don't you just love that? And she has 16,000 Instagram followers. Kerry started from nothing except her experiences and her passion and has been able to use social media to build her profile and create clothes she wants to wear. She was recently recognised by Lupita Nyong'o and Lupita had her design a t-shirt for a series of books that Lupita has just written. I mean, you can't get any better than that. And in this current climate of race consciousness and race awareness, I can't think of anything better for our children and young people to experience because there are enough of us in the communities across Western countries and continents to big up the things that our children and young people are doing. So what is not to love? I could go on and on. When the future of a post-COVID jobs market will visit black young people last, it's so important to give our children options about what they can do in the future. 
but we have to lead by inspiring them to put their passions to work. When our children and young people first start a side hustle, we have to support them to understand that at first, the focus may not necessarily be about making money. No, at this early stage, starting a side hustle is about giving our children and young people exposure to life experiences and giving them opportunities to develop the kinds of practical skills that they can use to create their own money as they grow older. Skills like money management, problem solving, how to communicate with people, confidence building, customer service and learning to enjoy experiences built around their passions. Encouraging our children and young people to start their own side hustle, especially when they're still at school, really is about encouraging them to set goals and make plans that are in their best interests and plans which will serve their own priorities. But two of the key qualities our children can develop from starting side hustles in their youth are firstly resourcefulness, which is the ability to find quick and clever ways to overcome difficulties. And when you're running your little side hustle, whilst there's no pressure on you, you have the time and space to make mistakes and learn from them. And having the opportunity to do that makes our children and young people open-minded and more likely to think outside of the standard box responses to come up with ideas and responses to problems. Resourcefulness makes our children and young people self-assured and it's that self-assurance that makes them capable of handling any problem put in front of them because they already have a developed belief that they're good enough and have what it takes to succeed. Resourcefulness also breeds imagination, which is their ability to either create something new or change what they have to make it fit the problem they're trying to solve with their side hustle. And like some of the young side hustle entrepreneurs that I've met, resourcefulness definitely makes you proactive. No procrastination in the budding business owners I met. No. Instead, they know they have skin in the game and to make things work, they have to work. And to make things happen, these young business heads are proactive, persistent and positive in their desire to succeed. They create their own luck and their own opportunities. And when focused, nothing gets in their way because they're passionate about what they are doing. And if there's passion in what you're doing, you'll do your thing for free and you'll do your thing every opportunity you get. And there's no better foundation to build on than that. The second quality our children and young people can develop from starting a side hustle is the ability to deal with rejection. And this, for me, is perhaps the most important point in this whole podcast. When our children and young people are encouraged to test their limits and push their boundaries in a safe and supportive environment, they develop 
a level of resilience that would see others who don't have these experiences really struggle when they're turned down for anything or when things don't go well for them. On the other hand, if you can handle rejection, you're more likely to be able to bounce back, try harder and grow stronger from the experience because our children and young people will have the confidence in their ability to deal with uncomfortable situations in a healthier way. And because side hustles can be a real thing of beauty in their lives, children and young people don't experience the pain of rejection like adults do. And therefore, they don't let that experience of rejection define them at all. Having met Cairo Barrett from Cairo's Creams, that amazing 11-year-old boy from Leeds in West Yorkshire, I can see this fact is true. Cairo oozes confidence and I can tell from that that if someone rejected his products, he would just go on and find someone else who wants them. And that's how you deal with rejection. It just slides off the skin. But the real benefit of dealing with rejection so early in young lives comes when you step out of your immediate circles and into the big world. Because once you do that, you could very well experience a level of negative treatment that you didn't expect. If you've had the experience of dealing with rejection, then you won't be phased by this negative treatment. Because firstly, you will already have had experience of doing your own thing. And this will give you confidence that you can go back to your thing whenever you want to make money or whenever you want to use those skills to try something new. And number two, if an employer doesn't want you, you have the confidence enough to know that there will be the perfect job for you somewhere else. And if it isn't there, then you'll create your own job. And there is no substitute for being able to deal with rejection in this way. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, well, all right, what's the first step? The first step is to cultivate that interest in your child or young person. Cultivate that interest in them by having those discussions. We have to spark the interest in them whilst they're young. Because whilst they're young, children and young people love money. They love to make money. They love the way it feels in their hands. They love the way it smells. They love the way it spends. And if we can get them interested in doing things that enables them to make their own money, the excitement they get from this will catch on. And that's all we need it to do. We just need it to catch. Once they've caught that bug, you won't be able to hold them back. If this podcast has lit a spark in you or has given you ideas for your child or young person, then I invite you to purchase a copy of the Start Your Business Workbook and Planner, which you will need for your child or young person and even yourself to join the next free Start Your Side Hustle coaching programme, which starts in January 2021. 
You'll find the links to purchase the book at the bottom of the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. All you need to do is to scroll down to the bottom of the notes until you see the see more wording. Click that see more wording and this will take you to the bottom of the show notes where you will see the links to purchase a copy of the book. Once you have your copy of the book, the coaching course is totally free. And what you or your child will be getting is thousands of pounds of side hustle startup training, which will take you from no idea to a fully fledged side hustle idea with all the startup action that you need so that you can launch your new side hustle or small business by March 2021, as long as you do the work. All you have to do is take the first step and click the links to purchase a copy of the book and that gets you into the free startup course. I want to end by saying that we don't know what is waiting for us at the other side of the pandemic. But if past experience is anything to go by, whatever is on offer will come to us after everyone else has eaten. So it's really important that we grow our own opportunities and we teach our children and young people to do the same. Because if we do that, we create our own chances to fly. Until next week, you've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asha. And for this week, I'm out.